Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Care Patrol of Connecticut in New York is your number one partner for securing safe senior living options and navigating the senior care continuum. Their services are at no cost to you, and they guide you through the entire process. Visit www.carepatrolct.com for details. And uh, welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show. We're expecting Congressman Joe Courtney joining us any moment. Let me tell you a little bit about our congressman, because he is really something. Um, He is from the 2nd Congressional District, you know, Connecticut has five. He was elected in 2006. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Education and Labor Committee, and he's chairman of the House Armed Services Subcommittee on Sea Power and Projection Forces. I don't know if, if he can still be chairman. Maybe this was written when the Democrats were majority. I'm going to ask him. Maybe he's the ranking member now. But in any event, he is the first known member from Connecticut to lead a naval oversight panel in the House of Representatives since 1873. That's the last time anybody from Connecticut led this distinguished panel. He co-chairs the Bipartisan Congressional Shipbuilding Caucus. Um, He's a member of the Health, Employment, Labor, and Pension Subcommittee. Lots of different things. His CV is extremely long, and of course, he cares passionately about Increased submarine production. Uh, he is very devoted to the economic well-being of electric boat, and which builds submarines. He secured critical resources to develop and replace the Ohio-class submarine, which added th- which added thousands of jobs in southeastern Connecticut. And um, he's been awarded all kinds of awards, including the Distinguished Public Service Award from Navy Secretary Ray Mabus, the highest civilian honor that the Navy confers. So the reason I asked Congressman Courtney to come on today, um, and we're expecting him any second, I'm just waiting for him to come in my ear, is uh, that he also cares deeply about preserving our nation's farmland. And uh, he... He wants access to more of that land from first-generation Connecticut farmers who increasingly have a really tough time getting that farmland because we know that farmland can be used for other more lucrative purposes. But we need farmers to be able to grow our crops and eat. We want to be able to sustain that way of life and the beauty of that way of life, which requires so much hard work. So I saw in the Connecticut Mirror 
that uh, Congressman uh, Courtney, in a bipartisan effort with many of our congressmen in the West, feel that it's really important to have the federal government help to have that land set aside. Congressman Joe Courtney, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Welcome back. It's been a while. How are you? Uh, Good morning, Lisa. You're right. It has been a while, but thank you for... um you know, noticing this issue, which uh, I think is actually a really important one for not just Connecticut, honestly, but it's all across the country. Um, so it's a pleasure to be back. Do you remember when we went to Israel together, Congressman? I do. Yes. Wasn't that fun? That was, <laughs> that was, so much that was fun. a good trip. I yep. broadcast the show from the ambassador's office in Israel, you know, the U.S. ambassador in Israel's home office in Herzliya. It was such a thrill for me. I was real was and we went with Ann Evans. Remember, we had yep. such a good time. It's great. Yep. Anyway, so Congressman Joe Courtney, first of all, before we get to the farmland, which we will get to, that's why I invited you on. I thought to myself, how amazing is it that I'm having the congressman who knows the most about submarines in the entire country <laughs> on our show today when it, it's on everybody's mind about this missing submersible? Have you had the heard the news about this? Oh, of course. Yeah. And um you know, it, it uh, it's a reminder to me because also on Saturday, just a couple of days ago, um, there was a huge christening event for the next um, Virginia-class submarine built in Groton, uh, the USS Iowa, with 5,000 people um, in the audience. But, you know, the one thing that, you know, still amazes me is just the, you know, precision um, that – is required. Uh, I mean, you see the crew of the the Iowa, which are, you know, about 140 young men and women, you know, who are going to be traveling on this vessel that is in an environment that does not support human life. And and you just realize that the, you know, the shipbuilders, designers, engineers, I mean, they they have to do their job perfectly. And um, sadly, you know, this uh, incident involving a private you know, um, vendor, uh, uh, you know, kind of reinforces the the gravity of, um, you know, operating in that undersea domain. Absolutely. The vastness of it. This thing is only 20 feet. It's barely, you know, as big as my sunroom. And uh, they, and, and what I don't understand, Congressman Courtney, and maybe you can help us with this. We don't understand why the communication you know, is not more sophisticated, why there isn't sort of a tracking system where they would always know where they are at any moment? Well, again, it's uh, the undersea domain is is still a very um, challenging one for uh, communications of of all different types. I mean, frankly, that's what gives the submarine um, such a um, tactical advantage in terms of being operating, you know, in, in stealth. Uh, and we could kind of go off into a conversation about just where, particularly um, in the Indo-Pacific region, that is so important right now. But in any case, um, you know, the, the the Navy, which, in, you know, has, in my opinion, the highest um, degree of sophistication in terms of um, new types of technologies, they are just beginning to really come up with methods to, um, you know, talk to friends um, and you know, um, partners uh, about things like location and um, and even there's now some, you know, pretty, um, you know, initial progress being made in terms of, um, you know, more consistent types of, of communication. But we're almost like, you know, back in the days of Enrico Fermi, you know, where they finally, you know, set up radio systems to communicate from Europe to, to America. 
um, it's it's still pretty um, difficult. And so, you know, the people who are out there searching. I mean, they obviously have sonar to to you know try and discover objects like um, this this submersible. But as you point out, this is not um, you know a 370 foot submersible like a Virginia class submarine. This is a, a much smaller um, technology, and you know they they operate as private entities. So you know their connection to even the Coast Guard is is just not um, you know great. And and um, and you know God willing, you know they're they're going to succeed hopefully soon in terms of trying to locate um, yeah. this vessel. But it's um, uh, you know anyone who who um, you know thinks that it's an easy enterprise to go into this technology, um, you know, this is another reminder about just how, um, how how really, like you point out, sophisticated and complicated it is to, to, to pull off successfully. We're chatting with Congressman Joe Courtney of the 2nd District, which is New London and Groton. And Congressman Courtney, you've been incredibly successful at making the case that Connecticut should still be the world-class submarine maker that it is. And so your point is that submarines, because they are hard to be found as they skim the bottom of the ocean, still become a very successful tactical way of being able to spy on our enemies and protect ourselves militarily. Is that what you were saying? Absolutely. So, I mean, if you look at the Indo-Pacific region uh, right now, where again, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, a, a competitor, some would say adversary um, in the form of the People's Republic of China. They now have the largest Navy in the world. Um, and, you know, that's kind of jarring sometimes for people to, to hear How that. But happen? honestly, How did that happen? Um, that happened like overnight. How did that happen? I mean, again, it's a um, it was a concerted effort that really started really 20 years ago when we were sort of off, you know, involved in a, in a land war in the Middle East that, you know, um, number one, you know, our investment in recapitalizing our Navy, uh, you know, was a bill payer during that whole um, era, it was something which I pointed out constantly as, as uh, a member of the Sea Power Subcommittee on uh, House Armed Services. Um, you know, things are definitely picking up, though, in terms of investment. As I said, Iowa uh, was just christened on Saturday. There's going to be two subs that are going to be commissioned later this year, uh, Rickover in New Jersey. Um, you know, we've got um, the USS Massachusetts, which was christened down in Virginia, and there's four or five other hulls that are actually uh, under construction in Groton as we speak uh, right now. Uh, but again, what China's real advantage is, and, and again, their their navy is still very nascent. They they uh, most of their subs, for example, are uh, diesel electrics, which are you know there's the technology around that has certainly improved. But the bottom line is, with a diesel sub, you have to surface to recharge your batteries. That's just the way they operate. And anything on the surface with the types of missile technology that exists out there right now is vulnerable. And um, you know, we saw this in Ukraine, where a relatively crude um, missile that Ukraine had developed on its own, the Neptune missile, sank the Russian flagship Moskva, uh, that was about 200 miles off the the coast of Ukraine in the Black Sea. Um, China has missile technology that can reach 3,000 miles and is much faster and lethal, and and that's why our ally Australia. 
made a, a, a pretty big decision for a country of only 27 million people because their, their subs are getting old, they're diesel electrics, they were sort of going with the French in terms of a, a replacement, but they realized that with China's missile technology um, and the size of the Pacific Ocean, if they're going to spend all that money, they may as well spend it uh, in terms of no, nuclear-propelled submarines. And that's exactly what's going on right now with the new security agreement called AUKUS, the Australia-UK-US um, security agreement, uh, where you know, Australia is now going to basically replace their existing submarines. And this is a decade out. This takes a while um, with nuclear-powered submarines. So on Saturday at the USS Iowa event, I had four guests from the Australian embassy, that was there, led by uh, Admiral Ian Murray um, and the Navy attache uh, Grogan, and and you know I introduced them to the crowd of four or five thousand people who got just a huge raucous greeting from from everyone that's there. And um, but again, Australia's decision I think sort of just kind of reinforces from the outside what um, sometimes we have to sort of convince people on the inside here in the U.S. about the fact that you know. Uh, investing in shipbuilding and particularly submarine construction, um, you know, is the most effective deterrent to China. Okay. Wow. So Australia is saying with their money, they're going to hire U.S. companies and we're going to have obviously an alliance because it's military to give them a, or to sell to them a nuclear more than one sub that's going to control the waters around Australia to make sure that China isn't doing anything nefarious with respect to that region of the world. Is that the That's idea? exactly it. It's, a, it's about deterrence. Nobody's looking for a fight. I mean, right. the people of Australia recognize that China actually still to this day is their largest trading partner. Again, a lot of that is raw materials, you know, that uh, Australia exports to China. Um, but, you know, they do not like, you know, some of the, um, you know, really – coercive behavior that China has been engaging in, whether it's in Hong Kong, the Xinjiang province, South China Sea, you know, violating uh, maritime rule of law. And, um, and that's when they kind of said, you know what, we got to stop kidding around in terms of, uh, as I said, you know, upgrading uh, their Navy. And um, so there's, as I told the crowd on Saturday, you're going to hear a lot of Australian accents in southeastern Connecticut saying good day, mate, um, because uh, they're, they're going to be over here. Wonderful. We're chatting with yep. Congressman Joe Courtney. Congressman, can you just stay with us for just a moment? I need to go to sure. a break because then I really want to talk about this farmer access bill. That, Absolutely. Uh, I think it's very exciting for the farmers here in Connecticut. We're going to be right back with Congressman Joe Courtney representing the 2nd Congressional District. Stay with us here on the Lisa Wexler Show on WIC. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Casey. And welcome back to the show. We're chatting with Cong- Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District, Joseph Courtney, who joins us. He, he has a lot of different distinguished positions, including being very, very active with respect to agricultural issues, representing a portion of Connecticut that not only builds submarines, but has beautiful, beautiful farmland that still hasn't quite been developed into single-family houses. So, Congressman Courtney, I saw in the Connecticut Mirror a wonderful article, Underserved and First-Generation Connecticut Farmers Want Access to More Land, a Federal Bill Could Help. So what's the issue and what's the proposed solution here? So um, first of all, just to set the framework here down in Washington, um, this Congress is is now just beginning to to put together the Farm Bill, which is an okay. every five year um, ah. measure that uh, you know sets food production policy, nutrition policy, um, you know rural economic development policy um, every five years. It's it's um, it's not something that people in Connecticut necessarily follow as closely as probably other parts of the country, like the heartland. <clears throat> but it actually has a huge impact in terms of, um, you know, again, like you said, the, the future um, configuration of, you know, rural areas of the country. And, and eastern Connecticut is a, still a relatively rural area. That's why my district is so big geographically, because mm-hmm. the population is a little sparser than other parts. But even in Fairfield County, New Haven County, you know, we've got really just great, farms that, um, you know, people are passionate about in terms of, you know, eating local and eating well. So here's the issue is that um, the demographics right now in in America is that the average age of farmers um, is right around 60 and, and, and moving up. I mean, that's been happening for a while now. And at the same time, contradictorily, there's actually a very high interest in um, Gen Z and millennials. In agriculture, the School of Agriculture up at UConn actually is, you know, very um, over. It's actually oversubscribed. So there's a lot of interest of people who want to get into farming. There's a lot of ownership of farmland of people who are aging out. Um, and you know, all the surveys, all the studies have done has shown that um, there's not necessarily within those families um, great interest in you know other family members in terms of taking over the business. And the net effect is that the actual acreage of farmland in this country is going down. Um, it dropped by 2% you know, in, a, in a relatively um, short period of time from um, 2012 to 2017. You know, a 2% drop in, in that short space of time really shows, as you point out, that you know, farmland is getting converted into development, whether it's uh, residential, commercial, you name it. But once you, you basically um, sell a farm, to a different kind of um, activity, you never get it back. You never get it back, no. Right. So this bill recognizes that. It's a high priority of the Young Farmers Coalition, which is a national group, and we've got really good members um, in my district who have been, you know, raising the alarm about this issue, about how difficult it is in terms of, first of all, just finding um, farmland and then connecting with – you know, owners who sometimes are willing to sell but have lots of complications in terms of, you know, estate issues, um, you know, obviously cost and financing. And um, and as I said, this is not just a New England issue. The You know, one of the co-sponsors, uh, Zach Nunn from Iowa, uh, actually was at the USS Iowa christening on Saturday. Oh, we're funny. talking about the bill. Uh, but they're seeing the same thing where, um, you know, outside – 
forces are coming in and, and, and gobbling up uh, farmland. And, you know, again, the goal is not necessarily to, to keep it in, in production. And our bill basically would have the U.S. Department of Agriculture through its Farm Service Agency, the FSAs, which are, you know, all over the Connecticut and all over the country that provide lots of help for farmers with issues like crop insurance, um, you know, disaster assistance when things, you know, happen, which seem to be happening more frequently these days. Um, but this would actually give them now an additional mission, which is to deal with the issue of land access, particularly for, for first-time farmers. And, um, you know, we've gotten a lot of great, excited response. Thank you again for taking the time to talk about this today. Um, because, um, the, you know, one of the leaders in, in Connecticut, a farmer in, in the Lebanon, Columbia part of my district, um, she rented land in Mansfield for many years, super popular um, produce, you know, at all the farmer's markets in the area there. The owner basically said, sorry, you know, we're, we, we have to, you know, close out the lease. And she searched, you know, high and low for years and was about ready to leave Connecticut when luckily she stumbled on um, a parcel of land that she now has in, in active production. But, you know, the, the, the takeaway from that story is just that um, it was just her own incredible, you know, persistence Tenacity. and yeah, luck yeah. and right. luck that, that sort of, um, you know, and had a happy ending. But there's too many others that are just telling the story of frustration in terms of trying to locate uh, property and then get the help, you know, technical assistance, sometimes financial assistance in terms of uh, closing on these properties and keeping them, um, you know, in in a rural um, operation. Are the uh, is the intent of the bill to help people that are not the big factory farmers because theoretically they have the money and the means to keep adding land. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, um, the, the, the target here, as, as the bill indicates, it's for underserved and young first-time uh, farmers that are, that are um, you know, really passionate about what they want to do, but just, again, have really um, struggled in terms of, uh, you know, finding the pathway uh, to ownership. And, um, yeah, no, the, the, the big guys are fine. And, um, and, in fact, some of the big guys, there's a big um, – you know, uh, Smithfield Farms, which is a, a huge um, beef and pork uh, producer out in Iowa, just sold its uh, operation and all of the, uh, you know, massive amounts of acreage that go with it to Chinese um, interests. That, that has that. The, and, that. and the state of Iowa is in an uproar, uproar. Um, about oh, this. Who wants so, China owning so much of our land? Nobody. Exactly. So this is really about trying to, again, connect um, young farmers, uh, native, um, you know, to the, to, to our country in terms of really, uh, you know, trying to, um, maintain, uh, food production in, um, in U.S. hands. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's wonderful. I'm just wondering when you really drill down, does that mean, uh, affordable loans? I mean, does that mean, yes. is that what that means? Yep. Okay. Yes. That's and help with closing costs. Okay. Um, you know, the uh, again, there's a lot of technical assistance, and there definitely is going to be some financial assistance. It's not going to be – I mean, there might be some grants in terms of particularly issues like closing costs. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, obviously you want to make sure people are really committed to it. And at some point, you know, with an affordable package, um, you know, that really um, allows people – 
and, and allows the taxpayer to, to, you know, be confident that this is really achieving the goal of, um, you know, stopping the erosion of, of uh, land being taken out of agriculture and, um, and also uh, giving people a, a fair chance to, to change the demographics in terms of bringing down the average age of farmers in America. You know, I'm chatting with Congressman Joe Courtney. Congressman Courtney, do you represent Uncasville? I do. So Uncasville is where my family, my father's mother, the Goldblatts, settled in 1912 and up. They came off the boat from Ellis Island, and they were farmers. And when I was a little kid growing up, I used to go to my Tante Bessie's house in Uncasville on a hill, and I remember visiting her farm in Connecticut. No, and that that's a classic story. I mean, uh, my predecessor two times removed, Sam Gadenson. Uh, you know, his parents came over to the U.S. after World War II. They were, um, you know, basically in, in displaced persons camp and found their way to eastern Connecticut and, and started a, a dairy farm, even though they did not have the slightest, um, you know, family history in terms of, do, of doing that. And, it, you know, it's a classic American story, right, in terms of, you know, their son ends up being a U.S. congressman. It was very exact. It's a beautiful thing. And I remember when my Tante Bessie died, they had two kids and neither one wanted to go on the farm. Actually, one of them, um, one of them, Phil, died in the Coast Guard. He was a Coast Guardsman. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but the other one, and they loved him. He was beloved. And the other one um, was a woman and Gussie. She didn't want to do it. Anyway, the point is the family farm was sold. I think it became McDonald's, part of a strip mall. And I can't tell you how many times we would go to Norwich and New London. The family cemetery plots are up there. And we would always make our way past what used to be the farm. And we would stop at the side of the road and just be sad and remember yep. that this was once a family farm. So I have to say, Congressman, I'm all for what you're trying to do to help people stay in farming. It's a beautiful thing. I hope, you, I hope well, it's a we'll, successful effort. And we'll keep you posted. As I said, um, we sort of view the pathway through the farm bill that hopefully we can just, you know, fold this in to the, um, yes. you know, the larger bill, which again, one. the thing about right. the farm bill, it's, it's kind of a must pass bill. And that's a good mm-hmm. thing, you know, in terms of uh, getting it to the president's desk. And, and we will, if you don't mind, we'll just kind of keep you up to date as things uh, progress. I'd yes. love to have you back on the show. Congressman Great. Joe Courtney from the second district. Thank you so much for being with us on the Lisa Wexler Show today. Really a pleasure. It was a pleasure, Lisa. Take care. Absolutely. So yep, we're going to be right back. with. Uh, we've got news, weather, and traffic at the top of the hour. And we're going to chat with a woman who recently was a contestant. She lives in Brooklyn for, on, the, on Jeopardy. Because I haven't spoken to somebody who's been a contestant on Jeopardy in a long time. I thought that would be a lot of fun. We'll keep you up to date on what's going on. There's a lot of conversation about reconfiguring Westport and the parking uh, Harding the Parker Harding lot, and a lot of people are up in arms about that. Over a 1,000 people already signing a petition saying, no, stop, don't. We'll be back with the Lisa Wexler Show. We'll catch you up on what's happening in our own community here in Connecticut. Coming right up. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.